One time I hired a monkey to take notes for me in class. I would just sit there with my mind a complete blank while the monkey scribbled on little pieces of paper. At the end of the week, the teacher said, Class, I want you to write a paper using your notes. So I wrote a paper that said, Hello, my name is Bingo. I like to climb on things. Can I have a banana? Eek, eek. I got enough. When I told my mom about it, she said, I told you never trust a monkey. The end. It's time for another episode of 252. With your hosts, Ralphie D and Frank G. Featuring Professor Pat, Princess Crazy Girl, and Amy the Dream Master. We're happy to announce that our show is now available on iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, and just about everywhere else you can find podcasts. In addition to the direct links and feed you can find at our website at RetroNerds252.com. Click on the Big 252 for show notes and relevant links. Now back to our originally scheduled show, already in progress. You caught me in the middle of pontificating. Ooh, that's kind of personal. <laughs> it is for me. <laughs> it's been a little bit of a weird week. Um, had a couple of intense days, and then uh, we went and saw television last night at the Fillmore. Nice. Yeah, it was pretty cool. I think I was the youngest person there. Oh, for sure. <laughs> but like, was, you went to watch television at the Fillmore? <laughs> yeah, we paid 45 bucks to watch television. <laughs> uh, but it was cool. cool. Yeah, it was, it's, it, it's really interesting because, you know, like some of the iconic guitar riffs and song structures to see him playing it live it kind of made me want to have been in the studio because there must have been some pretty intense sessions, you know. I was actually in the middle of recording a small segment at Pat's Podium for you. I had a pretty intense afternoon, so I went and saw Terminator. Oh, cool. And uh, dude, all of, the, all of the reviews are right. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> it's okay. bad, dude. Well, see, the reason I want to see it, and I'm sure it's not the case, I just keep holding out hope, and I know it won't be, but I just keep hoping that Matt Smith is actually playing Doctor Who when he comes there as Doctor Who to take off and just solve all the Terminator shit with a little bit of a sonic screwdriver, and then he leaves. But that's not what happens, right? Uh, Kind of. All right, cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's actually pretty interesting. I would say if, if you don't know any of the spoilers... Um, Not really. Oh, I saw that so no merit in Mercy this era, Nash did one of uh, the pre-trailers that was like the dumbest thing ever to stick in a trailer, right? Oh uh, yeah, and there's a lot of like the director Alan Taylor's pissed about it. The writers are pissed about it. Now that the story's starting to come out, probably faster than the studio wanted, but I think everyone started to realize the movie was trending so bad, so they had to do something to kind of mix it up and get people talking. <laughs> try, yeah, try to get somebody's attention about something. I gotcha. Yeah. So, anyways, there was a there's. It's funny. I was literally just starting to record it when you called, but there's a phrase in there that uh, 
I was like, I actually stopped paying attention to the movie for about 10 minutes because I was like, holy shit, they just pulled that on us. <laughs> you ever heard the term uh, roll of the dice? You know, sure. or the die. Actually, the real term is the die is cast, which was from Julius Caesar coming back into Italy to basically take over the Republic. And I was like, How, holy shit, they actually inserted this incredibly cool reference in the middle of a really shitty movie. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah, that uh, doesn't sound very promising. It looked like it was going to look cool, at least. I wouldn't even say so. There was one review that said that they somehow managed that after 20, 20 years that the liquid metal Terminator looks worse. with that. Looks worse. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and they're right. Like, there's so many parts of this that are just so lame. You know? For me, I got exactly out of it what I was thinking that I would, which was basically just to try to rekindle some of that you know because me and ralph and curtis and i think bone all went to go see terminator 2 when it came out so for me it was like you know kind of one of those i don't know what you want to call it like a pivotal like memory or what you know right it was it was a fixed moment in time <laughs> oh yeah that was my thing is like hey if they're gonna like retell portions of that i, I feel like it's worthwhile to go see but uh i would not spend full price on it I wouldn't see it in 3D. I wouldn't see it in IMAX. <laughs> it's just not worth it. Yeah. I gave that shit the finger. <laughs> oh, it, it gets like two fingers and a chin flip, too. Yeah. So anyways, the podium's probably, it's basically just going to be about that phrase is actually misconstrued. Uh, <laughs> so they fucked it up on top of it, right? <laughs> well, in the movie, they get it as close to correct as I've heard it in a long time. Um, the problem is, like, over 2,000 years, it's gone from basically, like, a, it's gone from, like, a phrase of, like, fuck it, I'm just going to see what happens, to uh, my fate's already been figured out. There's, like, this whole lecture that I listened to where this dude goes into the whole thing about it, about how, like, the true meaning of it is basically, like, fuck it, let's let it roll and see what happens, you know? <laughs> so, nice. and that's basically the way that it's taken in the film is, is, the character basically just says, fuck it, let's see how this goes, you know. So that was the best part of the movie, me going off on just some <laughs> ancient Roman fucking... <laughs> it's like, in worst case scenario, you know, there'll be another sequel, so... Oh, yeah, they are, they already teased it. They put a mid-credits tag in there. Hello, hello. Hey! You guys are celebrating a little early, aren't you? Oh, uh, we're in Dearborn. <laughs> the street. They celebrate all year round. <laughs> nice. And then now that's banging, and that's my husband trying to get out this, the sliding glass door because our door frame stopped. Remember the time that, that we pretty much put Mike through the sliding door and then had to fix it? Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> He's Mike, so he gave us a, Arr, I'm all right, guys. Yeah. Monosyllabic guy. Answer. One day I saw his dad wrestle with a mouse over a fish stick on top of the stove. It was one of the funniest things I ever saw. You didn't pay for that. <laughs> right. Michael, get in here and kill this goddamn mouse. <laughs> I think that happened. Uh, one of my friend's dad pulled a gun out and shot one of the mice over a bag of popcorn or something like that. It was one of my old roommates. Oh, man. That's Hunter S. Thompson style. Goddamn yeah. mouse. Take that. <laughs> right. <laughs> he would have been proud. We've known some people in our time. Uh, <laughs> we are those people. <laughs> just before you called, we were talking, you just went and saw the Terminator. There's another one? 
Oh, see, <laughs> Lord, how many more I, are they gonna do? See, that's why they were leaking stuff out right there. So he doesn't even know there's a new one. I guess. Right. Jeez, I can't keep up with all these new movies that they're releasing. Like I try, but because I'm a movie buff, but Jesus Lord, another one. Well, you're in luck. You can avoid this one. It sounds like. Is <laughs> it suck? Yeah, you can. Uh, you can keep those two hours of your life if you'd like. Yeah. You give it two thumbs down <laughs> to that one, I take it. It's a little unbelievable, but it's possible, you know? I know he's a bad motherfucker and all. I right, know that. Right. But him jumping off mountains with his mother, you know, and not getting hurt, no, that's bullshit. I disagree. I disagree, homeboy. I believe this movie. A dude could jump off a mountain and not hurt himself because he did brace himself. And he knew something about the levels of gravity and polarity. What? Oh, that's bullshit, man. That's bullshit. Oh, man, you don't know shit about science because you dropped out of high school. Hey, man, why you got to bring that up, man? Because it's the truth. Hey, I know it's the truth. That, hey, man, fuck you. Oh, well, what you going to do about it? Hey, man, I'm going to bust your ass. Oh, yeah, yeah, after the clip. Okay, yeah, okay. There were a couple things that I found pretty interesting, but they just fell straight into the whole, you know, oh, no, you Damn. know cliche of all the rest of the movies of the terminator that and they make some really i don't know i don't know why they do remakes just leave things alone there's some movies you know then like nightmare on elm street and some of the other horror movies that you know they do and stuff like that leave shit alone <laughs> like just don't touch gems yeah. like movies like that just don't just do it right. Just right, you know. But then people, people complained excessively. I don't know if you guys saw either of those GI Joe movies. And like, yeah, they're stupid. They're completely stupid. But they're based on the GI Joe cartoon, which was pretty stupid. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's uh, like they stayed kind of faithful, and people were mad about it in that case. Whereas if they changed everything and other things, and then people get mad at it. So I think the idea is people are just going to get pissed no matter what they do with anything. So they just throw stuff out there and see what makes money. You know. Right. Yeah. If I had to guess, there's like some Hollywood formula. They probably plug in, like, you know, this actor, this amount of money, this production, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, well, we got to hit at least five of the items, you know? Oh, sure. I'm sure it's something in a spreadsheet they can call up anywhere they want. Yeah. (laughs) Especially if that person's specific actor, you know, oh, well, they do this, this, and that. So we've got to add this into their little thing. And yeah. Does that mean that Samuel L. Virus, there you go, Samuel L. Virus, Samuel L. Jackson is just a virus that's been spread. So he pops up everywhere when they search. You almost made me spit. I pop all over the phone. I like it. I like it. (laughs) And you will know my name is Worm. See, the next time they make a cold commercial where they've got talking germs, it totally needs to be him. Oh, shit. (laughs) And you know you've made it when you are spread across the board all over. (laughs) Well, the other one I like is like Bowfinger when they go, well, Kit Ramsey has shown his butt in the last seven films, and his last seven films have all made over $500 million. You know? oh, gee, I wonder why. <laughs> See, that's another thing. You know, they don't do what they did. In the, people are always, you, know, you look at, say, music now compared to music when we were in the 80s, when we were kids. Back then, you, know, you said anything, you'd get a sticker and then we'd have to hide it and all that stuff. And now everything, they can just about say anything anywhere. 
But in the movies, there used to be a lot more like, you know, movie style gore and just random gratuitous nudity of both men and women. There was just naked people all over the place in the 80s. Oh, my God. They don't do that as much now. You watch any like Friday the 13th movie and that's all it is. If anyone's naked or like that's like a drinking game, I think, if you watch any of those, if there's anyone naked having sex or doing like any kind of drugs like you drink <laughs> and then Jason will come and kill them. <laughs> that's, that's right. They were, they were there for boobs and stabbing. That's what they were there for. Well, they're kind of the same thing, aren't they? Well, they just, yeah, right. That was, the, that was the metaphor. Right. Exactly. What are they doing now? It's all like CG anatomically correct gore, but don't show any boobs. You know, <laughs> like yeah, like there's know. stuff on TV that's more gory than anything they cut out of Friday the Thirteenth movies oh for being God. too excessive. Yeah, there is. There's a lot of stuff on TV that I'm like, whoa, okay, kids, don't be watching this. <laughs> you know, it was this past winter when Annabelle came out on the DVD. Jason actually snuck out of his room, so he was just turned three. And stayed up and watched it and was not like he actually we didn't even know he was watching it until about halfway through. He started yelling at the TV and was like, you stupid girl, stop running. We were like, what what are you doing up? Because it was like 11, 12 o'clock at night. And I'm like, get your butt to bed. And he's like, no, I'm watching this movie. And I'm like, "Okay." It didn't, it did not freak him out, but you put, I put him on, you know, ghost adventures or some silly show on like that. And he's scared to death. <laughs> like, yeah, he can tell the difference between really, really fake and right. only slightly fake. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. See, kids will be, oh, be scared if they see Chucky. I'm like, well, they know Chucky is bullshit because none of their toys ever do that when they want them to. <laughs> you know? Then Patrick got on because he used to be all about wanting to know what the ho- different horror characters are because he got interested in it because obviously I'm a huge horror fanatic. So I have different odds and ends things around the house and I've tried to keep hidden from the kids but I can't keep the stuff hidden forever. I started, you know, hanging stuff up and I've got a Freddy the, I've got a Freddy Krueger wall clock and I hung it up and he, you know, Patrick took interest in it and he's just got on the computer and got on YouTube and started strolling around and he came across I think it was uh, Ghostface first from Scream and somehow he got into that and started scrolling around and came across i think chucky (laughs) got it i just let him go i was like you know what you're gonna find something in there that's gonna scare the hell out of you i keep telling you to stop you're gonna learn one way or another and he found something and it scared the hell out of him and he shut it down himself and (laughs) hasn't went back since did you see that last Chucky? <laughs> like the, the newest one they did, maybe like a year ago. Um, it, it's no longer funny, and it's back to being brutal and attempting to be scary. It's like, wow, that was like the darkest Chucky movie ever. And no, so maybe I didn't. you saw part of that. It was pretty brutal. It might have. It might have been because the stuff that I remember being like, I wasn't afraid of Chucky. Like none of that. That was kind of comedy. Same with the right. night, you know Nightmare on Elm Streets were kind of. Well, right, those were funny to us, right? Yeah, the first one for me wasn't because I was like, oh, Jesus. Well, yeah, we were little then. like seven, maybe eight. I don't know when it first came out. So it kind of, you know, got me. But then I got over them quickly by getting a Fangora magazine. And there was, I think that was by the time the third one had came out. I finally, yeah, I see. 
He uh, didn't become okay. funny till part three. This is it, Jennifer. Your big break in TV. Welcome to prime time, bitch. Yeah, so. <laughs> that was when the third one came out, and there was a Fangora magazine with him and uh, uh, Nancy on the front, and he was in a tuxedo, and she was in like an evening gown. And I saw it at the local like little party store, and I was like, "Oh, I want that! What is this?" Because I kind of skipped over number two because it stunk. You know, it was the right. Stupid- yeah, two was two was bullshit. You've got the body. I've got the brain. Right. So even back then we didn't like to. I put my thumbs down to that one, but I saw that <laughs> and it had a pull pull out poster and I just bought I had my actually I think my brother stole the magazine. I don't even think I bought it. I think my brother <laughs> took it. And nice. I Pop the poster out and put it over my bed, and that's how I got over like fearing Freddy Krueger. And then it more became a comical thing. The only one that scared the shit out of me was Michael Myers, and it's still. And then Texas Chainsaw. There's something with the chainsaw. We were just talking about that today on Facebook. Didn't Michael Myers scare the crap out of you? The result of you doing something you shouldn't be doing, and then watching Halloween too, though. <laughs> um, probably. Oh, okay. So yeah, that was a that was a story I remember from long ago. But what did I what did I tell you? You guys were on acid and then watched Halloween too, and it scared oh, the Oh my god! Oh, <laughs> oh my god! I forgot about that. I shot him six times. I shot him in the heart. He's not human. Universal Pictures presents Halloween Two. More of the night he came home. See, flashback induced by me. There you go. <laughs> oh, and we had another flashback today, too, because the freaking somebody posted. Oh, it was my old roommates from North Carolina. He posted that video. I tagged you. I think I tagged you to it where the, the half dude and the chainsaw guy, the guy was dressed up in the oh, yeah. chainsaw outfit or whatever. And he was like in a random garage. Did I, did you watch that video? Just for a second? Cause it wouldn't load on my phone. Oh <laughs> my freaking God. Yeah. Watch that. That gave me flashback because that happened to me in an outdoor haunted corn maze we went to. Everything was fine and dandy, but they were actually, it was on a family piece of property. And it was probably about 15 acres. They had a regular corn maze and they had a haunted corn maze. Anyways, we went to this stupid fucking haunted house, and which was outdoors, but they secretly had people planted in the regular corn maze with like walkie-talkies and stuff to listen to people's like conversations and shit so that if they were going to go into the haunted corn maze, they would know stuff about the groups coming in. So they overheard me talking to the people about, or to my group of friends, talking about how easily it could be for just a random psychopath to just walk out of the field <laughs> up into the goddamn corn maze and just start slaughtering people. So they fucking played into that when we got into the haunted house. 
So they set up uh, the whole damn thing and they just cornered all of us and went to fucking town. And so <laughs> that fucking out with the chainsaw, I was out. And I started running like halfway through and I lost my shoe, kept fucking running. I like had a PTSD moment and just freaked out, thought I was in a horror film, started screaming and tripping over br- like branches like I was going to fucking die by this plastic chainsaw or whatever the hell was after me. And literally like I tagged half of the people that were in that post that I tagged to you were actually <laughs> with me that night. And it was kind of funny because people were telling, like, adding on to the story and stuff. And I was like, oh, my God, I forgot about that part. (laughs) I was like, oh, don't bring it back up. You're making me relive it again. And I'm like, I haven't been able to go into a haunted house since then. And every time I hear chainsaws now, my heart starts racing. And, yeah, I cannot. (laughs) I can't handle it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they done they done fucked me up and the craziest thing was it was a bunch of teenagers and like 10 year olds and 11 year olds that did it because <laughs> as soon as we got back to the table and we're like all catching our breaths and we were all like you know i think i was 30 at the time i just turned 30 so we were all in our mid-20s to 30 and here's a bunch of fucking 15 14 year olds that just scared the living piss out of us and the fucker that was chasing me down was secretly trying to give me my shoe back. <laughs> but he <laughs> but he had the chainsaw. So there's a good story for America to hear. <laughs> and a snort. <laughs> it, it comes up when you get a band name out of that. Chainsaw Cinderella. See, there you go. <laughs> That's your that's your thing. You can't be the princess. You're the chainsaw Cinderella. <laughs> that sounds like an eighties hair metal like ballad. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Well the ballad, you know, Chainsaw Cinderella. <laughs> I, I miss you. <laughs> I can I, we can write that song. We'll just do have to do it ourselves. But I, I don't know if I can I can probably still poof my hair out that big. Get some hairspray. Just grow it out and next it's time. It's out, man. That's <laughs> it? Next time it's you're on It's down the middle of my back. Are you serious? Oh, yeah. Oh, shit. Next time you're on this side of the hood or I come over that side, I'll... It, we'll to to, tease my hair? <laughs> your hair out. We'll take some glamour shots. <laughs> <laughs> That's never pretty. <laughs> oh, man. And we'll make a... We'll go into recording. Screw the golden coldies. We'll do Chainsaw Cinderella. Two fifty-two. Hello, everybody. Thanks for joining, and welcome to another episode of Pat's Podium. What we like to do on this section, kind of talk about pop culture in general and how it relates to uh, maybe literature or uh, music or any of those type of things. I find it pretty interesting. I hope most of you do as well. So let's uh, get into it. So today, as I'm recording this, this is July 1st. Today was the opening day essentially for Terminator Genesis, which is Terminator 5. Um, I've been mildly interested in this film, just in, specifically because every subsequent sequel to Terminator 
they realize that they kind of have to pay homage to the first two since they're quintessential movies. So again, this one, I paid mild attention to it with a little bit of interest. And over the last couple of days, I guess I just kind of let the nostalgia get the best of me and I decided to go see it earlier today. For those of you who have been paying attention, I'll try not to do any spoilers on this. I'll try to do the best that I can. Um, and most of the reviews from the critics have been pretty harsh on the film. And I'd say I, I kind of agree with them for the most part. There's a couple of things that I thought were cool. One thing in specific that we'll be talking about here that I thought was really awesome, but it really fell short, specifically because they were attempting to say that James Cameron felt like that this was the true sequel to Terminator 2. So again, in the middle of watching this film that I went out of my way to see today, there was something that happened almost halfway through the film that I thought was pretty interesting, really kind of intrigued me, and really got me thinking. It's a scene where one of the villains has a confrontation with the protagonist, and in this film, Sarah Connor and Kyle Reese are kind of, I wouldn't even say that they're equals. It's a little bit of a shift in the paradigm from the first Terminator, where Kyle Reese is kind of the stronger person and Sarah Connor is just more of a, she's kind of along for the ride for the most part. With this film, they almost kind of turn it upside down to where Sarah Connor is the stronger of the two, and Kyle Reese, um, it's actually, in some ways, it's really kind of silly because he went from being this war-hardened person in the future to almost like the uh, damsel in distress himself in parts of this film. But either way, there's a scene where the villain confronts them and then we've got the happy-go-lucky Schwarzenegger who's the happy Terminator forever now I guess at this point. This villain is kind of stuck in this existential crisis to where he's kind of got to make a decision here. Um, things didn't go the way that the villain expected and basically there's probably in his calculus there's not too many win-win scenarios so he basically makes a decision to kind of throw everything to chance and just do the best that he can. So he literally makes a comment and he says, uh, I'll try to quote it if I can, but the villain basically says, did you hear that? That's the roll of the dice. And then he makes his move. Most people probably ended up letting that just go right past him. It really was just kind of a throwaway comment. They give it a little bit of a, uh, a sense to, to breathe in and then they just roll back into the action. Um, but it was almost kind of designed as the one smart character moment of the entire movie, and I found it to be pretty intriguing. Because for me, that quote was actually kind of a spot-on translation for what some people would say is, let the die be cast, or the die is cast, or um, let's throw the dice. And the meaning has kind of changed over the years, but obviously what I'm referring to is... Uh, what was attributed to Julius Caesar back in uh, 49 BC, before the the uh, Common Era, before uh, the Roman Empire, before Julius Caesar actually became the first emperor. Um, and at that time, the common terminology, what most people would say it is, is, is the die is cast. Um, there have been some people that have come back and have actually challenged that and said that there's actually uh it's more open to interpretation from that but the true latin is alia 
Iacta Est. Like I said, for years, it's kind of been attributed as the die is cast. Now, over the years, some other people have said that it actually means more of uh, the die has been cast or the die is now cast. And uh, we'll spend a few minutes talking about it. For those of you who are aware of Roman history, up until very close, it's, it's kind of strange because basically common era, uh, when we started counting the days that we have now, the Julian era, the Julian calendar, that started around zero, the birth of Christ. It's also right around the time that the Roman Empire shifted from a republic into an empire. So right around 49 BC, just about 50 years before um, the commonly referred to birth of Christ, Rome was still a republic, and that meant that it was not run by a king, it was not run by a monarchy, um, it wasn't run by a bunch of people that uh, were born into that role. It was more of an elected thing, and at that time it was run by uh, what they considered a triumvirate, which were three patricians people that were kind of born into a high high family families that had land and they they were elected for these terms to run the republic and the republic had grown quite a bit and julius caesar was one of these people they were usually uh, militaristic families families that were kind of groomed through the military for this role and julius caesar had kind of made his name by conquering france and spain and parts of Germany, Gaul at that time, that's what they called it. And he had kind of gained notoriety. He, he was popular with the lower classes because he had kind of become like this person that was a, um, a lightning rod and had actually done some sensational things in order to become popular. But he had also gained a lot of enemies. So as he was on one of these conquests, the other two members of the triumvirate had essentially lobbied against him, and they actually kind of made him the enemy of the state. They had issued a proclamation that said that Julius Caesar was no longer allowed back in Italy in charge of his legions, in charge of this military group that he had. And he was the de facto leader of the military, in essence. He was responsible for the military machine that Rome had at that time. So he's out of the country conquering lands, uh, taking over territories, more places to kind of turn people into this Romanesque or Latin culture that they had established. He gets this notice and he's told that he's requested to come back to Rome to be held accountable for his crimes against the Republic, but he's requested to give up his command of these troops and it was kind of a tradition in Rome at that time in the Republic that the traditional boundary between Italy and these other countries was the Rubicon this river that's on the northern side of Italy and you were not allowed to cross the Rubicon under arms you were you were required to surrender your arms to surrender your command and then enter the rest of the country peacefully and kind of as a citizen again, not as a warrior. So as this happens, and this is 49 BC, Julius Caesar is requested essentially to meet his certain death, that he's no longer going to be a part of the power structure. He's no longer going to be a politician with any rank or merit. 
and he really didn't come from a very high-ranking family, this is basically going to be the end of his bloodline. So he gets to the Rubicon, and he's got his troops with him, and he's got to make a decision. Is he going to go in there and, and kowtow to these folks that have kind of created this group against him? Or what is he going to do? Italy had not been in the Civil War in centuries, more than 200 years. The Republic was a very well-established tradition. Uh, there were some flaws in it, economically, politically, but essentially it was it was a well-organized political system, had tons of traditions, was very well-regarded, and was kind of the, the most functioning political system at that time in that area. So he kind of had to make a decision. He, and this is where the quote, crossing the Rubicon, comes in. Uh, he knew that if he crossed the Rubicon, he was either going to die or the government was going to change by nature the fact that he was had such overwhelming military force with him uh, that the Republic was no longer going to exist. And so that's, again, that's the term where crossing the Rubicon comes. He decided he would go through with it. He would take this gamble. He would see what would happen. He would take those risks. And the quote that's attributed to him by Suetonius, who was um, later this chronicler of the emperors of the early Caesars, the first 12 emperors, the, the quote that he said to have, have mentioned offhand as he was crossing the Rubicon, this, this border that dictated that he must surrender his weapons, his quote was, again, his quote was Alia Iactaes. The common translation is the dice cast. There have been some people, and I find this to be way more impactful and way more intriguing. There, there's been an argument over, say, a hundred years or so that actually what he said was toss the dice high. He wasn't saying he knew the outcome of what would happen. He wasn't even saying that the outcome was necessarily the right outcome. He was basically saying. Let's do this. Let's 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 play it out. Let's see what happens. So toss the dice high to me is an extremely powerful statement to basically just let's let it play out. Let's let's let whatever happens happen, and I'll be okay with it because basically I'm surrendering myself to my fate. Um, I think that's way more powerful than the die is cast, which, which is essentially. The, the decision has already been made. I'm rolling the dice, but the decision is already in the outcome. It doesn't feel as powerful to me, and it doesn't have that same strong emotional humanistic impact. So according to Suetonius and this, this more recent understanding of it, when Caesar crosses the Rubicon and he says, toss the dice high, he's basically saying, if, I, if I'm beheaded in the act of this insurgency, or if I'm successful, or whatever happens, it's going to happen. Let's let's do it. And I almost felt transported back to that time while I was watching this Terminator film, because this villain once again says, did you hear that? That's the roll of the dice. Where this person is stuck in this seemingly no-win situation, and he has nothing to do but to act. And no matter how he acts, he's probably not going to have the outcome that he wanted in the first place, but he's got to have some kind of an outcome. So it's it's very powerful to me. I found it to be extremely uh, refreshing that they would put this in there, and it was obviously intentionally written in, so the screenwriters did have 
some sense of what they were doing as far as I'm concerned. Uh, so I'm, I'm, my hat's off to them for having known the history, for being very aware of the, the, the situation. It may have even been Carol. You see, he had mentioned that he'd read a lot of Shakespeare and Hamlet in order to prep for the character and for the role. So it could have easily been him that put that in there, having read Julius Caesar from Shakespeare. But uh, it's just a very powerful thing to me. And it speaks exactly to this situation that's going on, this existential uh, crisis that this person was going through, that literally he was on his own Rubicon. He, he, was, going, he was forced to cross the river. He didn't know what that outcome would be. He would do his best to influence the outcome to be the best outcome that he could possibly come up with. But he honestly didn't know what that would be. So I found it very refreshing. The movie itself... That was definitely the high point of the film. There were much lower lows than that high point. Uh, I hope that too many people aren't turned off by my negative review of the film. But in general, I did find it to be a much lesser sequel to Terminator 1 and Terminator 2 than I was hoping for, but so be it. Thanks again, and I hope you enjoyed this. And if you're interested, like I said, Suetonius... Uh, is a great resource. There's tons of books on Julius Caesar. There's tons of books on the Roman Republic. And uh, it's all very interesting and still very applicable, as you can see. Thank you. 252. We never, I, we never got into any trouble, which is kind of sad, I suppose, so when you tell people that, but... I'm actually pretty proud of it, you know. Like, we still have our 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 brains and our you know most of our bodies. <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely starting to kick myself in the ass for some of the shit that I did. Where I'm like, why did I do that? There was no need for some of that. We might have gone too far in the other direction to some degree, and that we were like. You know, not on purpose. Maybe it's just because we were, you know, nerds or whatever. But not necessarily on purpose. But we were so good that we did not have any uh, as much fun as we might have if we were a little less good. But see, I was like that in junior high and into high school, and then once I got into high school is when I got corrupt <laughs> so we, we knew a bunch of fuck-ups but right. we just weren't interested in that's, being those people right that's kind of when i took a turn and that's when by by my junior year my parents were not happy because i did you know i was i was a straight a student had to i had to because i played sports i was in the band i was in marching band you know, I had to keep my grades up and stuff and able to play on all, you know, if I had, if I wanted to play in that game, I had to have a C, at least maintain a B to C average to be able to do any of that stuff. So I was, I kept my nose in the books and clean and just got sick of it. <laughs> I didn't want to be the band geek or nerd anymore. I didn't, or at least that's what I thought, but I didn't know that you could be a nerd and still be cool. You know, not, not like harder to do back then now right it's easy. now it's easy now it's like that's that's a crazy thing i was just having this conversation with my niece and i was just like she's you know 11 years old now and i'm like you know it's cool to be a nerd so 
don't fuck up like Aunt Amy did. <laughs> like, yeah. like, don't let, just whatever you do, don't do it. Don't let, like, idiots bully you and think you may, you know, are less than what you are because that's what happened was people made me, you know, picked on me and stuff like that. And, of course, I made the decisions to do what I did. But it kind of steered me into the direction of where I went to because my self-esteem sucks. So I thought I was a loser because of the way people made me feel. So, of course, I didn't want to look like a dork or be a dork anymore. So let's go and do what the cool kids are doing. And hey, little did I know, I look like a fucking idiot. And now I'm kicking myself in the ass. Yeah, but everybody... All right. Hey, you know what? I carried that 30 years of uh, life around with me, and I got a whole bag full of life. So <laughs> everyone fell asleep. Cool. Yeah. That works. Now you get quiet time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think I'm going to go watch uh, Scream, the TV series. Cool. I started to watch it and then I stopped watching it, but I, I ran out of time. But it seemed like it was okay for the like five minutes I watched. Yeah, the I watched the like little first look of it, like the first uh-huh. ten minutes of it, and it looked pretty. Looked Again, too, the like movie. the first, uh, the same thing, like the TV versus movie. The first five minutes, the first girl that gets killed in that mo- in that TV show is more brutal than anything in the yeah. first three movies. <laughs> like, what yeah. Like, she, like right there, the guy like chops the boyfriend's head off and throws it in the hot tub or whatever, and I'm like, holy shit! And I was like, okay, well, my kids aren't gonna watch this because I thought it was like cheesy, spooky, like stupid scream movie. Oh no! What he actually so you know, gets no. when he gets that girl like two minutes after oh, that yeah, head scene. He it's like what the up. fuck, dude. <laughs> He fucked her up. I was, I was not like, expecting that from television. No, dude. I was not either. And I saw that and I was like, okay then. Well, this is, if it's going to start off like this and it's going to continue, I am going to watch this because this looks pretty crazy. But, you know, you watch, I watch all of the, you know, I watched The Walking Dead and I've watched Salem right. and I watch all of the kind of, I watched that Lizzie Borden and there's quite a few of them. I mean, shit, if you watch any of the Game of Thrones or any of that stuff, it's freaking... Well, that's HBO, though. At least you have Right, at least. But MTV, this is, this it seems is a MTV. Bit It'd be like Nickelodeon doing that. You're like, right. whoa. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was kind of... That caught me off surprise because I was ready to like, okay, well, maybe my kids might be able to watch this. It's MTV, you know? Huh. Right, I maybe was kind of could... thinking, thinking that too and then I was glad I watched it first. Right, because... So he, he wouldn't like this. <laughs> no, no. I was like, okay, well, I'm glad I pre-screened that beforehand because I was thinking uh, maybe it'll be cheesy and stupid and something that I could like ease the kid into before showing them the real screen because yeah. not any of them i would probably start them off on that that's the more sillier yeah, my kid's not still not so sure about the action figures that are around the house so okay. it's like oh, that guy's kind of scary i'm not into scary movies i don't watch scary movies i get enough nightmares as it is i don't need to get them from movies oh, that's fine not everybody you can be the person that doesn't like the scary movies everybody should have one of those around too no, yeah, you know me, I'm not really into the scary movies. I didn't used to like too many of them either. Some of them I did, but I didn't used to like too many of them. And then like, after I started 
doing stuff like this and you know started to look at how they were making those movies and things like that and then started watching them just to see how it was being done and then you just i, I wound up having seen them all so it's okay cool i've seen these so i guess i'll watch some more you know <laughs> just wound up accidentally not even you know meaning to watch them but then you just do. And <laughs> Most of them are funny, so that's the thing. Like, some of them are not, and I usually don't like those too much. But most of them are pretty funny, and that's at least the 80s ones. And that's where we get, I get into them is, is the, the humor factor. It's dark humor, obviously. But <laughs> No, see, like, the kind of scary movies I do like. Like, I, I like Saw. Okay. But I I didn't watch the whole series. I only watched the first one, sort of like, what would you do, you know, well, how the, far? Yeah, the first one was a different story, I guess, from the rest. So, yeah, the right. first one is more of a, like, more of an in-your-mind kind of a thing. Right, right, right. Whereas the next six or whatever were things being jammed into your face and things. You know, oh. It wasn't, it was a different vibe altogether, I guess. I never saw any of those. Oh, okay. But, yeah, mm-hmm. it, it went for squeamish ah icky gore after the first one whereas that one was supposed to be a little smarter than the rest i think on the last new horror movie like not another one of a series of old movies but a new movie i don't know when the last one i saw was probably like 10 or 15 years ago now Mm. yeah probably the last new series there was that i watched it all was scream what was that 17 years ago Oh my goodness, was it? Probably, if not yeah, long. It was. It was. Damn. I'm the one who does not like the scary movies. I would rather watch a Disney movie. <laughs> well, if you might like some of them if we took out the scary parts. Like you could probably take no. maybe like three Freddy oh. movies in a row and take out the parts where he actually kills anybody, which is out of three movies is probably like a total of ten minutes, right? And you'd have a pretty good story that would be, you know, sort of a, you know, it would be a dark comedy, obviously, but it, w- it would be a decent story, you know, and it wouldn't be scary at all. So you could probably do that. But other ones, there's just no way to do that with. Right. It just depends. Some of those guys are funny. Some of those guys are not. You can't really edit the Texas Chainsaw Massacre into a funny movie, even though it's not really gross or really all that scary. It's just intense. <laughs> Well, nobody really gets chainsawed in that movie. They just make a lot of noise. Right. I just... More people get chainsawed in Scarface than get chainsawed in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> you know? Oh, okay. Hey, Antonio. Mira. What's going to happen to your friend? You don't want this to happen to you? Let me the money, okay? Such a, it was even when we were kids that was like legendary. Oh man, that's that horrible. That's the worst movie ever. You know, if it came out now, the exact movie, it would probably be PG thirteen. So. <laughs> See, I don't even watch them, so I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, but still, it's one of those things you used to used to hear about it. You don't have to watch them. I didn't used to watch them, but I still knew all those guys. You know, they used to run the ads all the time and everything when we were little. Where how scary the commercials used to be for some of those things. You won't believe how horrifying you'll see that. You'll need a stomach distress bag if you're going to watch blah, blah. And like, oh, I don't want to see that, Dad. Can you change the station so I don't hear this commercial anymore? 
Like every morning, the, the commercials were just for the most horrifying movies ever to be seen, you know. And, and most of those movies I've seen now, and they're so funny. Like that wasn't horrifying. What were they? But it was. It's they made it sound horrifying, and that's all that had to happen. <laughs> no, like I said, I'd rather watch a Disney movie, even though there's not any good Disney movies in the last twenty years. Really, too many. <laughs> what about the Disney horror movies? That'd be kind of cool. Disney horror movies. Like the fisherman guy from I Know What You Did Last Summer is trying to get the Little Mermaid or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, like crossover. the Grimm's Fairy Tales. I don't mind those stories. Type oh, like of. The, the real ones, the old? Yeah, the old scary. Yeah, those are cool. They're all watered down now All those because all those stories have gone through Disney at this point. Right, right. Like, yeah, they used to. The, the old ones were more of like a, this is why you don't want to do this, whereas now they're a little light, lighter hearted. <laughs> mm-hmm. 252. Whether you played it, knew someone who played it, or just heard about it through all the assorted urban legends that were going around intended to scare you away from playing it, everyone our age is familiar with Dungeons and Dragons. What most people are less familiar with are the other role-playing games that were being put out by TSR around the same time. We used to play D&D, but we also liked to mix it up with Gamma World, Top Secret, Star Frontiers, our very favorite, the Marvel Super Heroes role-playing game, there was a Buck Rogers game, Indiana Jones. If there was something you wanted to be, there was a game that would let you do it. There was Boot Hill if you wanted to do the Old West. And that was just from TSR. If you went out into other companies, there was you know, Ninja Turtles and Star Wars. There was Battletech and Robotech. There was so many different. It was. Uh, we're just talking about TSR. Gamma World was created by Jim Ward and published in 1978. This game takes place in the 25th century after a nuclear war has destroyed mankind. It's very post-apocalyptic. If you've ever played the Fallout series of video games, this Fallout is basically the Gamma World, the video game. As far as characters go, you, were, you could be a human in this game, but it was much more fun to be one of the assorted mutated creatures that you could be. Anything you could think of, you could basically turn into a character in this. In the most recent version of Gamma World, my character that I generated was a radioactive yeti that had magnetic mental powers, random. But you wind up, you know, getting in a battle with a robot with a tire for a head that shoots lasers. Who knows? It's just wacky, outlandish, mutated, futuristic bizarreness. That was Gamma World. When we're 9 and 10, it didn't work as well because we didn't really know enough about any of this stuff to make any sense out of it. We had a very nine-year-old perspective on life. You don't know what's going to happen in post-apocalyptic, you know, post-nuclear war civilization. We didn't really have any concept, and we hadn't really seen any movies or anything about it. There was just no idea. So Gamma World, as kids, was not really as much fun as it is now as an adult. Top Secret, on the other hand, which was about spies, espionage. It was James Bond the game before there was an actual James Bond role-playing game. In fact, once there was a James Bond role-playing game, Top Secret was still better at what it was than the official game was. Top Secret was published in 1980. You could basically be any sort of spy you wanted to be, private detective all the way up to, you know, James Bond again. In the mid-80s, they redid Top Secret as Top Secret SI and added a lot more layers of James Bond flavor 
on top of the original game to try to get a greater appeal. Again, as children, Top Secret was not one that we spent a lot of time with. I would draw up the little maps, you know, which basically turned out like original Castle Wolfenstein maps. We had little spots where there would be someone trying to shoot at you and boxes and things you had to try to you know, duck and hide behind. So sort of like Metal Gear, the role-playing game. As with most of these games, we spent a lot more time making characters, designing maps, planning adventures and laying everything out than we ever actually did playing. With Dungeons and Dragons, same thing. It would spend four hours making a huge dungeon and populating all the rooms with all the monsters and getting everything set. And then somebody would come over and we'd play for 15 minutes and forget about it and go do something else. Same thing with Top Secret, same thing with Gamma World. You make the world, you create the characters. Setting it all up was most of the fun. Actually playing the missions was not really a cool thing to do when we were kids because we just didn't know how to role play yet. You know, you're nine, what do you know about role playing? You know how to play nine, that's all you know. Around the same time they came out with Star Frontiers. Now, Gamma World seemed like it was outer space, but it was really supposed to be futuristic Earth. Even though there were some space elements to the game, Gamma World was really an Earth-based game. Star Frontiers was more of the Star Wars space opera kind of uh, adventure game th that we were looking for. You could be one of four basic races, and your goal was to explore and take over your own section of the universe. So it was very much Star Trek the role-playing game, only with added violence that would be more similar to Star Wars. There was lots of shooting, there was lots of running, there were lots of space battles. And once again, you know, we spent a lot of time setting up situations, planning out scenarios, and imagining how they might actually run, but not actually spending the time to run them out ourselves. At one point around 1985, the toy stores were getting out of the role-playing game business and closed out a lot of their stock. So you could go in there and buy these 8 to $12 books, the modules, the manuals, even the box sets for 3 $4 a piece. So I bought everything. I bought all of, all of Star Frontiers, all of Gamma World, as much of Top Secret as I could find. And every single piece they had that was related to the Marvel Superheroes game. We were huge comic book fans, and a Marvel Superheroes game seemed like the perfect idea. Here was a game where we would not only plan out the scenarios, but actually run them, because we knew the voices for these characters. We knew how to pretend to be them, be it Spider-Man or Captain America, or superheroes that we were creating ourselves. The ones that we created ourselves were actually better most of the time, and we had no problem voicing them either because it was our creation. You know, when you're creating a, a spy or a, a warrior with an axe or whatever, as a kid you really don't have a whole lot of feel for that unless you've been reading Conan books or James Bond books or whatever. We were a little bit too young still. But I read tons and tons and tons of comic books. So this was the role-playing game we could actually handle. I remember the first night we got the Marvel Superheroes basic set. We went into the spare room where there was a table and a lamp and basically nothing else. Set up my boombox and threw in the LL Cool J cassette so we could listen to I Can't Live Without My Radio. Opened up the yellow box and sat down and started to figure out how to play Marvel. Now within a few minutes we had the map out, we had little basic tokens, we had figured out the basic rules and had played the first adventure which was Spider-Man saving somebody. It was some basic superhero back alley thing. It took two minutes to do but it taught you how to play the game fairly easily. 
So we could open the box, look at the materials, learn how to play, and be in the game within about 15 minutes. If you try to compare that to now, any of the new role-playing games, we just got the most recent Star Wars game for my kid. The material is really well written, it looks really nice, but it's not all that great for gameplay. You have to read it 50 times, go back and forth to try to understand what's going on. Even with the walkthrough adventure, it walks you through the steps, but it doesn't really teach you why you're doing the steps. It just tells you, you know, do this, do this, do this, without exactly explaining why you should be doing that until you've done it a few times and can figure it out. The Marvel game was probably the best written game of them all. It helped you along, it taught you what you needed to know really quickly, and resolving conflict was done with a chart and two ten-sided dice. It was the least complicated thing ever. Can I do this? I don't know. Roll those dice and compare that to the number on the chart versus your powers levels. Look it up. If you got the right color, they even had it down to a color code. Red, yellow, green. Now, if you got the color you needed, you were good to go. We'll be talking more about the Marvel game in an upcoming segment. I might even get these guys to play a round or two. So break out those dice and get those character sheets ready. 252. <laughs> it's either I smoke or I drink, and I'm like, I'm not going back down the drinking route, so I can't do that. Mm-hmm. I'm going I'm to... So are yeah, you yeah. smoking and drinking? I quit drinking 10 years ago. So oh, right it's been, an, yeah, 10, 10 years. I mean, I'll have a beer here and there. I'll decide, okay, here, yeah. Mm-hmm. But, but I nowhere can't near what you were I doing. Oh, God, no, no, no. I bet you have some great stories. I do, though. That's the thing where, you know, it was just like, it wasn't good times. And I'm like, fuck yeah, it was. Yeah, that's <laughs> awesome. Yeah. I had some hell of a good times. Like, <laughs> fuck you. Yeah, it may not have been the healthiest of choices, but right? And, or the safest. I mean, I or was not safest, nice. Right? I was not nice on my body, and at 38 years old, I am feeling every inch of that right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and now I'm starting to have side effects from all of that, and yeah safety things some of the stupid shit you do where you're like yeah that's a smart fucking idea let's climb this roof and get the santa claus off the roof and then (laughs) we'll just jump off of it onto a thing of mattresses (laughs) well you know what good thing you got it all out when you were young because there are people our age that are doing that (laughs) shit still (laughs) jumping off that roof oh shit i broke my leg (laughs) yeah Oh, Lord, you know, good time. Our greatest artists and writers and such were, uh, you know, in the throes of alcoholism and drunks and all that. So that's. Uh, oh, yeah. There's been many a times where in life I've said, I wish I had a point of view like camera to record <laughs> some of the times some like that we had because I rolled with a very large group of friends. Mm-hmm. You know, so there was always crazy fucking shit going on. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> you know what? Enough said. I, I understand. <laughs> I walk up in my bedroom, somebody's shitting in my kitty litter box, you know. <laughs> what the fuck's going on? My dad's sitting downstairs. Yeah. 
like, what the fuck's that's going very, on, Amy? That's very off-putting when you see you <laughs> sit in a litter box. <laughs> well, she was going to pee. No, it wasn't shitting. Sorry. She was peeing. She was going to pee on my friend. She had to pee. <laughs> she had to pee. And so she thought in her drunken state of mind that it thought it would be funny to try and pee on him. And uh, somebody was going to give her $5 to do it. And, of course, the guy was, like, a little wuss and wasn't trying to fight back or anything. And I, like, walked up in the midst of it. And I was like, what the fuck are you doing? She was, like, squatted over him. Maybe he wasn't fighting back because he liked it. Right? He could have, man. Pay good money for that kind of thing. (laughs) Who pays for it? Just come to Amy's house. Right. Pack a bunch of people in that room. <laughs> he did. That bitch was packed tight. Yeah, I walk up and she's full. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? Are you going to piss anywhere? Just piss in the damn kitty litter box. Fuck <laughs> 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 it. Cat's looking at you like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Why is there a human in my box? <laughs> you know what? If I had a nickel for every time I've heard that. <laughs> Oh boy, that was not a good note to leave this conversation on. <laughs> this has been a great chat, though, I gotta say. <laughs> What's your call sign there, Amy? My handle for the paranormal stuff was the Dream Master or the Paramount. Eventual Freddy conversation, because that Paramates. was my favorite Freddy movie, too. <laughs> that was why. That was, that's that where was, it came that was from. my second favorite. That was my favorite. That's so, why. That's why I chose it, that's and that's my favorite all-time. Like, yeah, because Alice kicks ass. I don't know. I just I, out of all of them, like the first one, like like kind of you know, of course, terrified me because I was little, and mm-hmm. it was like the first horror movie I think I seen, except for like you know Cujo or something stupid like that. Like you know that was right. my first like thrasher movie, Your I first. guess you could say. So I was scared shitless, but then when Dream Master came out, I don't know, I was just like, fuck yeah, this rocks. I don't know. I wasn't like, you were, You guys are, you're, you're boys, so you're like, yeah, this is hot. But I just liked the whole how yeah. they like got the superpower thing going and like, like could, could control their dreams and kick his ass and stuff. And Yeah. I'm pretty sure when that was new, I was one of the very few people who was saying, whoa, Alice is hot. I don't think that was a general thought back then. She was kind of plain, you know, maybe in the next movie, I guess. Mm-hmm. That, and I was happy that Heather came back into it, you know, so I was like, yay, Nancy's back. See, I, I remember her being the one that people thought was still hot back then more than, than now. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Actually, I got to, I just got to, yeah, I got to see her. She was at... Uh, Motor City last year. Still looks pretty much the same. Yeah, she's not. She's she looks pretty good. Believe it or not. Oh, that's great. And I guess Robert England. Did you end up going to see? No. You didn't go this year. Um, my friend Shannon uh-huh. went, and she she didn't like stand in line because I guess it was like re- ridiculous long. But he did stay for the whole time. But she like walked by and got a picture of him. That's but cool. he looks pretty good. Yeah, to get actual. Is that a horror cop? Yeah, Comic Con. To get the actual like you know photo op with him was like a hundred and something bucks. And it's like, man, see, like this thing with these things right. is it's however much to get in and then take your kid, but then you got to pay for all the stuff. Right, and then you got to pay for the autograph. You got to pay separately oh. for the like the photo op, you know, or you can pay the, you know, you can do the options, you know, you can just do the just photo or just right. the whatever. 
but you know, it's just I I didn't actually that would have been that and the Walking Dead cast was the only reason I would want to go, but honestly Carol Dixon wasn't there, or Norman Reedus wasn't there, so I'm like, no, I ain't going. <laughs> you didn't want to go no. and hang out with, uh, with WWE's Virgil all day? Come on, man. <laughs> no. No, I mean, they, well, they had Gl- Glenn. I mean, Steve Yen was there, and or, you know, uh, have, Beth was there, whatever her name is, Emily Kingsley, like, the guy that plays Abraham. Um there was a couple other. There was like five or six people from The Walking Dead, but that would be the only people I'd be interested in. I wouldn't care. I mean, if there was any wrestlers, maybe, but... Like, literally, it was Greg Valentine. And I'm like, well, we couldn't get Greg Valentine off of our couch in 1995. I don't think I want to go pay money to meet him again, you know. <laughs> At least the cool thing, like, when I got to when I got to work Dragon Con, that was badass. Like... That was my all-time, I think, so far coolest time because I got to basically work with William Shatner, and I wanted to tell him to fuck off, basically. Because <laughs> fucking, was the he's shit a dick. That hitting on you? No, he's a dick. Real. He was an asshole. We had to work security for him. Um, it was him, Nimoy. It was like the original cast, and then Picard. He was there in a separate room at the same time when Shatner was there. So everyone was like on edge. Like there was like this like weird vibe going like, is there going to be a rumble? (laughs) You know? 
Mm -hmm. Ah, ah, Donna, pull yourself together.